today we are talking, um, we're starting a series entitled uh, I'm In. And um, uh, I don't know if you noticed the, the, the general idea as you walked in the, in, in, the, in the church, you walked in here today, uh, has to do with mail and, and correspondence and sending communication via uh, letter. And uh, today's main idea is I'm invited. And I don't know if you remember, um, now it's a, little, it's a little tricky, but back in the days, um, people would send letter to the mail. You know what I'm saying? Nowadays, we have emails and we have uh, evites and we have all these uh, new ways of sending uh, mail. But back in the days, uh, literally, you would have to write a letter with a pen, right? You have to write it. And then you, have to, you had to, you know, seal it and put it in an envelope and stamp it and mail it. Wait a couple of days till it get there. Um, and that was the way we used to invite people. You know, whether we would have a wedding, we would have a quinceanero, or she's a teen, or she's a teen, whatever. That's how we used to invite people through mail. And, um <coughs> and so now, now it's a little different. Now we do the, you know, we do the famous, you know, RSVP, right? RSVP is a way of you confirming whether or not you're going to attend, you know, a wedding, whether or not you're going to attend to uh, Key 15 or a special event. Um, and I remember, I remember um, that as, 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 well, as a matter of fact, when I got married, when my wife and I got married, you know, uh, we would have wedding lists. And even when my, my daughter got married, um, my daughter had a wedding list. And when my son got married in October, he had a wedding list. And every couple, every couple that's planning to get married, they buy, they do inv invitation cards, right? Invitation cards, and you mail them out, and yada, yada, yada. And, and, and the idea is that we, we want to come up with a list of people that we want to invite that are significant to us to be part of an historic moment in our lives, right? So you have the groom or you have the girlfriend and the boyfriend together and everybody's coming and both of them is coming up with a list and he's coming up with a list of people that he wants to be in his wedding and she comes with a list of people that she wants to be in the wedding and, and, and if you're not careful, you can have more invitees that you can afford, right? And, and sometimes, sometimes uh, you know, there are people that when they, when they do this list, uh, the other, the girlfriend or the spouse or the fiance says, why don't you invite... Pepito, I don't, I don't know, Pepito, Pepito. Right, well, why don't you invite Philip, right? And, and automatically, the, 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 the fiancé, that name brings him back, takes him back to a moment in Philip's life when Philip either betrayed him, did something bad to him, and he said, ah, you can invite anybody you want to this wedding, but Philip can't go. I, because I'm so mad at him, I'm so angry. What he did to me when I was two and a half years in the crib, I ain't going to forgive him still, right? And some people have issues with, with people 10, 15, 20 years. And so when you make the list, you're really, you're really making people who are important to you, people who matter to you, that when you're walking down the aisle and you're looking at everybody in the auditorium or everybody in the church or everybody in the center, you're happy because the people you like there. And so we invite them. We invite the people we love. We invite the people that are, that are, that are significant to us. And I want to let you know that Jesus is inviting each and every
every one of us, Jesus is inviting us to this big invitation, but this big invitation is an invitation of an adventure. And I'm going to take my time with this. He's inviting us to this journey. He's inviting us to this wonderful experience. And as powerful as it is, I want, you to, I want you to bear this in mind, that this thing about being a Christian, this thing about being a believer, this is all, this all stems out of an invitation. Christianity, being a Christian, is all about an invitation. We've been invited. So the question is, what is God inviting us to? What is he inviting us to? Who is God inviting? Because if, if, if God were to treat us the way we treat people we don't like, now nah, he ain't coming to my wedding. Not, not her. If she comes to my wedding, if you bring her to this wedding, this wedding is over. If you bring her, I ain't going to be there. As a, matter of fact, as a matter of fact, parents, y'all do this too, parents. Your parents got issues with people, and your son and your daughter, mommy, can I invite this girl to my king say, and can I invite her to my super team? Listen, I don't want her to go, and if you want her to go, you pay for it. I ain't paying for it. Uh-uh. I don't want to invite her. She ain't coming to my house after she talked about me, and she now she's going to eat the food I'm paying and drink from the drink I'm paying. Heck no. Right? And we're teaching our children. Oh, wait, I'll leave it at that. That's, that's, that's another story. Anyway, listen to me. Here's what's crazy, that Jesus invites us, and he's all-knowing. See, because, because one thing is I invite you, and I don't know how crazy you are. I don't know you're a hypocrite. I don't know you're, right? And then after a while, after a while, you do, do me something wrong. And when I look at the picture of, of that big moment, and I see all the people that were there, and I see what you did to me a year after that picture, man, I wish I never invited him to that thing. The thing with Jesus is Jesus knows who we are before he invites us. And what's crazy is he doesn't change his mind in inviting us. Listen to me. And so he's the God that invites us all, knowing everything before he invites us. And look what he says, look what he says in Matthew chapter 11, because I want to I put this as a foundation. I want you to know, what is, what is Jesus inviting us to? What is he inviting us to? Because let me, let me submit to you, friends and, and church, Jesus' invitation is not just to be a Christian. Jesus is not inviting us only to do things in the kingdom. Look what the Bible says in Matthew chapter 11, verse 27 to 30, he says, Jesus is saying, this is Jesus talking. He says, all things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and those whom the Son chooses to reveal him. This is a key verse. I'm going to say it again. All things have been committed to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Verse 28. Come to me, this, it, 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 this verse looks like it doesn't belong there. And this is the famous verse we say all the time. Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. 
Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and I'm humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What does that have to do with me and my father are one. What does that have to do with no one knows the son and no one knows the son but the father and no one knows the father but the son and the son is the only one that chooses to reveal. What, what does that have to do with coming those who are heavy laden and burdened? Here's the revelation behind that because there are some things that you will only acquire. There are, there's some knowledge that you will only attain through Christ. And that revelation, Jesus says, everything I know comes from the Father. And everything the Father knows comes to me. And I am inseparable from the Father. Me and the Father are one. The Father and I are one. And whatever he knows, I know. Whatever I know, you know. He knows. And what he says is, now, in light of me telling you that I know everything, he says, now come to me if you're hurting. Come to me if you're heavy laden. Come to me if you're in pain. What is Jesus saying? If you take this invitation, I promise that because I know everything about you, in the middle of your pain, in the middle of your heartache, in the midst of your crisis, if you just follow me, I can show you what I know of the Father and what the Father knows of me and that I know about you. So this invitation is an invitation of revelation. This invitation is an invitation of giving you a glimpse of what the Father knows about the Son and the Son knows about the Father and all of that pertaining to you, church. Jesus says the Father has given him all things, which means he has all knowledge, all power, all authority, all things to do and say. And that no one knows the Son the way the Father does and no one knows the Father the way the Son does. But he says, he says, but my thing is I'm not keeping this to myself. What Jesus is telling them, I know everything, but I don't want to keep it to myself. So now he's inviting people to come to him. He says, all this knowledge, all this thing I have, all this revelation, I don't want to cocoon it to myself. And then he says, come to me, all of you who are heavy laden and burdened, for I will give you rest. He says, come to me, because there's something about us coming to the all-knowing God, the omniscient God, the all-powerful God, in the middle of our heartache, in the middle of our struggles, in the middle of our pain, that God gives us the capacity to be able to endure the crisis once we know who we're following, and once we know the Christ we decided to follow, the Christ that knows it all, the Christ that is aware of everything. When you start understanding this about the Jesus you serve, that he knows everything you're going through, he knows everything you went through, and he knows everything you will go through, and then he tells you, I invite you to to my world. What is he saying? In my world, I'm not going to take out the pain. In my world, I'm not going to take out the affliction. But when you walk with me in my world, I will give you a revelation of how I can make a way in the middle of your crisis so that while you're in your process, you're walking with me. And as you walk with me, you're walking towards your destiny. Listen to me. Whoever told you that coming to Jesus meant no trouble and no pain and no struggle. That person done lied to you. Tell him, you've been bamboozled. Tell him, you've been bamboozled. Whoever told you that coming to church meant no more pain. Jesus never, listen, 
Jesus never promised to take away the pain. As a matter of fact, Jesus said, in this world, you will be greatly afflicted. But then he said, but take courage in this. In other words, but be encouraged in this, that I have overcome the world. Now, bear this in mind. When Jesus said that I have overcome the world, he hadn't died on the cross yet. He hadn't given his life yet. But because he sees all things at the same time, when he says the word, he says, follow me. Because in your pain, I'm an overcomer. In your crisis, I've overcome came already. So when you're going through what you're going through, his invitation is not to sit you on a bench. His invitation is to walk life understanding that these afflictions may come for a night, but joy may come in the morning. He invites you so that as you're going through life and the devil attacks you, you're not living by the experience of your pain. You're living by the revelation of the God who said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Like I was with Moses, I will be with you. But I'm not keeping this to myself. I want to share this. And what does he do? He says, he says, come to me, all who are heavy laden and burdened, and I will give you rest. And then he says, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What is Jesus saying? Coming to me, you got to be yoked. This invitation comes with you being yoked. He says, but don't, 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 but don't get it twisted. My yoke is easy. And my burden is like, now, for you to understand this, let me explain what a yoke is. A yoke was a piece of wood that was shaped like this. It was horizontal, had a loop. It was horizontal, had another loop, horizontal, had a chains here, chains here, and those parts of the chain was connected to a plow, right? And in between the loop, you had two oxen, two oxen, two, you know, like bull-like oxen. And, and, and the thing was that in those two oxen, in the, two, in the yokes, they had space for two. One, the way they would do this was they wouldn't put, because you had old oxen and you had young oxen. And you would never put two old yak oxen together uh, and you would never put two young oxen together. Why not? Because the old oxen represents wisdom and experience. He's plowed before. He has experience in plowing. Because he's been doing it for years, he don't go crazy when they put that thing on his neck. Now, the, the younger oxen, since he's young, he will always go crazy. So, one oxen represented wisdom and the other oxen represented strength because the young one was stronger. The younger one had power. And so, Jesus is saying, oh, I'm inviting you into my world and when I invite you, I want you to know that there's room in my yoke for you and I'm the big brother and I'm the big oxen and I have the experience and I have all knowledge and I have all authority and I have all information and I need you, Mr. Young Oxen, and I need your strength with my wisdom. I need your life with my experience, and together we're going to make it to places we've never been to before. I'm here to tell you, church, that God is calling you, you that are young in the Lord, you that are not much Bible, but you have enough power to go out to the streets and preach, you that don't have a Bible theology school in your back pocket, but you have the passion to preach the gospel. Jesus is saying, I need your power. I need your youth. I need your strength, and together I'm going to show you the provision and the power and the grace of God. So he invites us to yoke us.
This is an invitation of being yoked. The God Almighty with us. And he says, and don't worry, because my yoke is easy. Because I've already made a way. I know where we're going. I know which way to take you. I know which direction to go. And this is why the only way you're going to live a successful life is if you allow yourself to be yoked with Christ. You cannot be yoked with anyone other than Christ. And this is why there's a phrase that we have in church. When a girl and a guy fall in love and they're not believers, there's a phrase called unequal yoke. What does that mean? Unequal yoke is when a guy that doesn't serve the Lord is after a girl that serves the Lord or, when, or vice versa. And they're trying to get him or her saved, but they're not really coming to Jesus for Jesus. They're coming to Jesus for her. Now, the problem with that is when you are in an unequal yoke, what happens? You have a problem of theology. You have a philosophical problem. You have a religious problem. And usually nine out of ten times, couples that enter in a relationship like that don't last long because at the end of the day, there's a mentality, there's a battle, there's a philosophical struggle. This is why it's important that if you're a Christian person, you fall in love with a Christian person. This is why it's important. And, and I don't know why I'm saying this, but the Holy Spirit is leading me to this. And I know he's pretty, and I know he's good looking, and I know she's nice, and she got hips, lips, and fingertips. But if she don't believe that Jesus is Lord, and he don't believe that Jesus is Lord, it's important that you get that right first, because you don't want to yoke with somebody who's yoked with the enemy. I'll leave that at that. Listen to me. So Jesus says, come to me. I'm inviting you to what? To everything that I know of the Father. I'm inviting you to revelation. And as you come to me, I will give you rest. In essence, Jesus is saying, walk with me. In essence, Jesus is saying, work with me. In essence, Jesus is saying, I want you to walk with me, but I want you to watch how I do it. He's saying, I want you to walk me. I want you to lay with me. I want you to journey with me. I want you to sojourn and just walk with me. And as, but let me say, there's some things you learn in the walk. There are some things you, you learn in a textbook. There are some things you learn in a test. But some things you got to learn in the walking. That's why you can take a written test to drive a car. But at the end of the day, you got to drive the car. You might know your signals. You might know your pedestrians. You might know this, that, and third. But at the end of the day, you need to get out the room, get in the car, and start driving. And God is inviting every single one of us today. Perhaps you know about church. Perhaps you heard about Jesus. Perhaps you heard about God. But God's saying, I am calling you today to step out of your comfort zone and walk with me. I'm inviting you to walk this journey. Nessus, he's saying, keep company with me, and you will learn to live freely lightly. So my, my first point, I got three. My first point today is God is inviting you to something bigger. Touch your neighbor, tell him he's inviting me for bigger things. That's why he says come to me. Here's what's crazy. When he says come with me, he's saying in essence, get away with me. This is not a come with me to be separated from the world. It's a come with me to be intimate with me. Get away with me. Spend time with me. Because let me tell you, the only way you can get a revelation of the person you love is by spending time with the person you love. The only way you can get a revelation of someone you love is through spending time. And he gives us an idea of this revelation. And in verse 27, he says, all things have been made committed to me by my father. 
No one knows the son except the father, and no one knows the father except the son, and those to whom the son chooses to reveal. In other words, everything I have, I am choosing to reveal it to you. I'm inviting you into my world to reveal you, to you what me and the father know. This verse shows us that there are secrets to God, that there are secrets to God that can be revealed through Jesus Christ. And Jesus is inviting us to this great revelation. So before Jesus invites us to rest with him, he teaches us the idea of a deeper revelation through him. Church, could it be that the things we want from God are found in God and you're trying to find it in other things? Could it be the reason many people want to give up the second, we're in the second month of the year, and so far you said, my God, this year has started horrible. It's been a rough year. My God, all these catastrophes, earthquakes, fires, uh, challenges. Now Kobe Bryant dies. All of a sudden, man, this year is starting just as bad as 2019. OMG, I, I, I give up on this stuff. I'm tired of this. This year is going to be just as bad. And many people are living up with a sense of giving up the second month of the year because they have been looking for rest without revelation. Let me tell you, I'm here to tell you, church, 20, 2020 is not going to come better than 2019. 2020 will have its challenges. 2020 will have its short shortcomings 2020 will have its trials but what's going to determine your perspective on the trial is how close you are to Christ what will change your perspective of the trial is if you allow God to be your companion in this journey knowing that he knows all things and knowing that he's in connection to the father and as you're walking down the path of the valley of shadow and of death you will fear no evil because you know that God is with you and if God is with you and he knows the end of your journey you can trust in this and say I might be going through hell but he's been there done that and I'm going to follow him into my purpose to the glory of the father God's invitation to rest is actually an invitation to a journey of revelation it's a journey his invitation to rest is the journey of revelation because when you're here and God shows you where you're going your perspective changes Ah, so I'm going through this because that's where I'm going. I got it. I, I got it. I, I already see it. It's like a couple, couple of months ago, my wife and I, my family, my whole family went to Tennessee for Thanksgiving. Man, it was a journey. It was a 10-hour drive. But here's what's crazy. Before I went on the drive, I went on Google, and I saw where I was staying at. I went on Google, and I saw the nice mountains. So even though it was a 10-hour drive, and even though we was all cocooned in the car, and even though we heard every song and every iPod we had, and even though we went through all that, and we had to get gas, and we had to go to the bathroom, we had everything that we had to do, and my one of us had problem, problems in our car, we went through all that, but at the end of the day, we knew we had a revelation where we were going. We had a foresight of where we were going. So it didn't matter the 10 hours, because when we got to where we got, and we was eating the food and doing what we were doing, it was worthwhile. I'm here to tell you don't get focused on the journey focus on the revelation don't get focused in the pain focus on the prize don't get focused on the hurt focus on the promise and he invites us he invites us so that you can see you can see what the father and the son are seeing the things God is inviting us to is, is wilder than we expect it's a deeper revelation of him and so God is inviting us. And not only is he inviting us, but God is crazy the way he invites and who he invites. 
Because let me tell you, my second point is Jesus invited Judas. When we hear this verse, come to me, I come to me, you, you have to think of a Judas in there. And here's what's crazy. Jesus invited Judas, Jesus knowing everything Judas was going to do before he did it. And he still invited him. He still, can you imagine? You knowing that somebody's a betrayer and you invite that person. You knowing that somebody is a robber, a thief. You know, they're, you know they're, and you invite them to your house and leave your jewelry all over the place. And you know they're going to rob you. And you still, Jesus invited Judas. This, this is crazy. Ju, G, Judas received an RSVP by Jesus. And in case you think Jesus was emotional when he invited Judas, let me show you what the Bible says in Luke chapter 6, verse 12 through 16. Look what it says. On that day, Jesus went up on a mountain to do what? In the morning, no, 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 he emphasizes it. Luke emphasizes it, emphasizes on praying twice. It says, one day Jesus went up to the mountain to pray. He prayed all night. In other words, this decision Jesus is about to make was prayed upon. This wasn't an emotional decision. He prayed on the mountain, and he prayed all night. And I believe that people who pray hear from God. People who pray get directions from God. People who pray get instructions from God. And having prayed all night, verse 13, in the morning, he called his followers to him. And he chose 12 of them. I want you to see it. He called his followers, which told me there were more than 12. So there was a group like this. He called us, hey, come here, guys. I'm going to make an invitation today. He called his followers, and from the followers, he invited 12. And he called them. There were Simon, whom he also named Peter. That's one. And his brother Andrew. There was James and John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, and Thomas. There were James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Canaanite. There was Judas. There was two Judases there. Judas, who was the brother of James, and Judas Iscariot, who would hand Jesus over to be killed. Listen to me. Judas didn't sneak into the club. Judas was personally invited by Jesus. This wasn't an accident. And you know what? I'm glad that Jesus invited Judas. Because had Jesus only picked spiritual people, godly people, you and I would not have been able to make it. We fall under the, under the position of Judas because every single day we fall short to the glory of God because none of us are perfect. None of us are holy to the level that God, of God's standards. And I thank God that in Jesus picking everybody he picked, he picked Judas. He picked, look what he says, verse 16, he picked the one who would kill him. Can you imagine that? Hey, Judas. I invite you. And in his mind, he's going to betray you. He's going he, he gonna, he, he gonna to sell you to the Roman Empire. He's the cause of your death. And Jesus invites him. 
And in, the, and in the invite, he gives him a position. He makes him the CFO of Jesus' business. He gives him the money. And the Bible says that Jesus knew that, Pete, that Judas was taking from the money of Jesus' ministry. And they will collect the offering. Hey, Judas, how much you raised? 3,000. Lies, it was seven. Jesus will say, Fox, foxes have dens, birds have nests. But the Son of Man doesn't have to lay his head. Now Judas, Judas was chilling. He, had a, he was moving on up to the east side. He was living well, stealing from Jesus. C can you imagine? How can you, how can you follow Jesus every day, stealing from him every day? Taking from his money. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that on one occasion, Jesus sent the disciples and gave them power to heal. Judas was there, casting out demons and stealing from Jesus' money. And the question is, why would Jesus invite him in? Because we cover in a society, if you do me wrong, you'll never come back in my circle. If you do me wrong, I don't ever want to see you again, not even in pictures. If you do me wrong, you I got no play. Listen, I don't if, if you come, if you invite her, I ain't going. Jesus invited his betrayer. Crazy. So he calls him. And three years later, look at what happens. Three and a half years later. Matthew 26, verse 20 to 28. It says, when evening came, Jesus sat with the 12 followers. As they were eating, Jesus said, for sure I tell you, one of you will hand me over. They were very sad. They said to him, they said to him one after the other, Lord, it is I. And he said, the one who will hand me over is the one who has put his hand with mine in the dish. The son of man is going away as it is written of him. It is bad for that man who hands the son of man over. It would have been better if he had not been born. And Judas is there. Judas was the one who was handing Jesus over. He said, teacher, am I the one? And look what Jesus says. You have said it. As they were eating, Jesus took up the loaf of bread. He gave thanks. He broke it in pieces. He gave it to his followers and said, take, eat, this is my body. And then he took the cup and gave thanks. And he gave it to them and said, you must all drink from it. This is my blood of the new way of worship, which has been given for many. It is given so that the sins of many can be forgiven. So he calls them knowing he was going to betray him. He gave him a position knowing he was stealing from him. And right before he betrays him, he tells him, Papa, it's you. But he didn't kick him out. Hey, listen, listen. If I know that you ought to do something, something to me before it happens. Uh, security, um, um, listen, um, section three, row two, black shirt, stab him real quick. <laughs> with the word, with the word, with the word. But Jesus is sitting with the 12, and he is sitting down, and he's saying, one of y'all going to mess me up. One of y'all going to betray me. And Peter, is it me? Jesus is like, you could be. You're you going to jake me three times. Huh? That's another story. <laughs> Imagine Jesus saying jake. You could jake me, right? No, it ain't, it ain't you, Peter. Bartholomew, is it I? No, it's not you. Thomas, is it I? Yeah, you're a doubter, but no, no, it's not you. Right? 
other Judas. Judas, is it me? All right, you good, bro. You good. Okay, you good. And here come Judas Iscariot. Is it me? And he says, you're the one. And then the Bible, I got to read it. The Bible says, the Bible says, Shortly after Jesus and Judas come across, shortly after this, Judas goes, Judas goes and meets in a private room somewhere, and he betrays Jesus for 30 pieces of silver, which, by the way, that money he had was money that he stole from Jesus in the beginning. And he betrays Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. If you, if you... Today, if you would make a comparison of the value of 30 pieces of silver today, the worth that the worth of the value of those 30 pieces of silver were $6.67. Judas betrayed Jesus for less than the price of a Chick-fil-A. Which, by the way, by the way, there was one moment, there was a woman, Jesus was, there was a lady that was anointing Jesus' feet with an expensive perfume. And, 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 and when Judas saw that that was happening, he got mad. He said, Jesus, why are you allowing this expensive perfume to be thrown at your feet? You know how much money we can make out of this? He gave more value to the perfume than to Jesus. Because when it came to Jesus, $6.67 was the deal to betray the Lord. And this was crazy. Jesus and then on top of that, after he betrays him, Matthew 26, 50, it says, what do you come to do, friend? He calls him a friend. Jesus, let me tell you this, Jesus befriends the betrayer. And I am thankful to God that he calls me a friend because I betray him every day. You betray him every day. We fail God every single day. And if Jesus was to classify us the way we classify people, but him knowing what you're going to do, him knowing you're going to betray him, he knowing, him knowing you're going to offend him, he still calls you a friend. It's crazy for me to think that Jesus doesn't deny people the way we do. But he invites them. He invites them. We have to understand the revelation of Judas. His revelation of Jesus was limited. You know why it was limited? Because although he was invited, he wasn't really following. Although he was invited, he wasn't fully committed. Although he was invited, Judas had his own agenda. Let me tell you, church, it's not enough to come to church. Jesus is inviting us to have a revelation of who he is. Some of us only know Jesus as a savior. He wants us to know him in the fulfillment and in the completion of who he is. Why Judas did this? Why betray Jesus? He was thinking about himself. He was trying to overthrow the Roman government. Remember, the Messiah that was prophesied to come, he was supposed to come, quote unquote, come and usurp Roman Empire. 
So they were hoping that the Messiah, when he comes, he's going to take over Rome and Israel is going to be back a nation and we're going to be independent and we're going to be a powerful nation again. So when Judas saw Jesus, his revelation was not what Jesus came for. No, you, how is this going to happen? No, 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 no. And he tried to help the process so that he can escape. He didn't realize that Jesus was more than just a rabbi. Judas only knew Jesus as a rabbi and as a miracle worker. He didn't know Jesus as a redeemer. He didn't know Jesus as a resurrected king. He didn't know Jesus as the one who sits at the right hand of the Father. He lost that experience because he made, he took action based on his present circumstance and that did not allow him to see God at a fuller scale. Which leads me to my point number three. Serving yourself will lead you to betraying Jesus. Betraying Jesus leads to betraying yourself. We see it in the life of Judas. One chapter, we see that Judas gets a noose, wraps it around his neck, and hangs on a tree and dies. But had Judas focused on the revelation of Christ, he would have realized that hours after he hung himself on a tree, Jesus was going to ultimately hang on a cross. He was trying to do it for himself. And he couldn't. But when you have a revelation of who Christ is, you are willing to go through the process because you know and I know that my life is in the hands of Jesus. And if he's allowing me to go through this, there's a resurrection on the other side. So God's invitation, church and friend, God's invitation literally is to save you. To save you from you. To deliver you from yourself. There is more than life. Then the life you think life is, is more than life than that. And the only way you can have that life based on John 10, 10 is through coming to him and receiving the everlasting life. I want to challenge you today. Don't just know God as your Savior. Allow himself to reveal himself with you along the way. Along the way. He was too caught up trying to count the offering that he missed out Jesus. He was too caught up trying to make sure that all the hotel books, bookings were done. He was too busy trying to make sure that nobody did anything. He was too busy trying to make sure that he gave an impression that he was all right. When all along Jesus knew he was stealing, his heart was in the wrong place. And he still called him a friend. And he still kept him in the team. And so today the Lord is inviting us, not because we're perfect, but because he wants to reveal himself in us, in our process. So we have two options today. Are we going to accept the RSVP? Or are we going to deny it? And if we accept it, are we going to fully go and let him show us the way? Or are we going to go with our own agenda? He's inviting us today. He's saying, I want you to come. Me, what I know, what the Father knows, has been revealed to me.
and this revelation that I have of the Father and the Father has of me, I want to invite you in. And so I'm telling you, come to me, all of you who are heavy laden and burdened, and I will give you rest for my yoke is easy, my burden is light. And don't worry about you trying to be perfect. Just follow me. Don't worry trying to be holy. Just follow me. Nine out of 12 were jacked up. Philip didn't believe. Peter denied him three times. And Judas took his life and betrayed him. And if you look at it, it looks like Jesus picked wrong three times. No, he picked right three times. Because these three guys represents all of us in this room. Some of us doubt him in crisis, like Philip. Like Thomas, rather. Some of us doubt, like Thomas. Unless I see with my hands and I touch, I won't believe. And I'm glad that God made room for the Thomases. Some of us are like Peter. Here, oh, I love Jesus. I love Jesus. Workplace. Jesus who? And God made room for Peter. And God made room for Judas's. But different from Judas, Thomas, Peter and Thomas stood, stood walking. They didn't understand. They ran away, but they stood. When Judas said, I'm going to do me, and I'm going to take business in my matters in my own hands, and he ended up hanging on a tree when Jesus was supposed to hang on a tree for him. And so I want to charge you today. You've been invited. Walk with him. Walk. Listen, listen, listen. Walk with Jesus. Read his Bible. Read his Bible. Read the Bible. That's how you know him. You read the book and you pray. And you pray. And you seek God. And I promise you, the more you read the Bible and the more you pray and the more you seek God, the more revelation you're going to have of the God in the middle. Listen, 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 listen. The only way you can have a revelation of Christ. See, see, see. You cannot have revelation without no pain. How do I know God's a healer? If I'm sick and he heals me. How do I know God is a provider? If I'm broke and he provides. How do I know God can do miracles? If I need, I mean, the only way you can have a revelation of Christ is through the pain you're in. And so Jesus is not saying, I'm going to take your pain away. I'm going to take your hurting away. No, 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 no. In the middle of your hurting, walk with me and you're going to see me revealed to you.